Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Vicky McLeod here. Games week is almost upon us. So here's a conversation that coach John Singleton and I had before he left for the States. It's also on the program's YouTube if you prefer to watch it there. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. It is the middle of July in Mallorca and it is roasting hot. Manu's just turned off the fan, which means that in about 10 minutes, we're going to be sweating cobs. It is minimum 30 degrees outside. It's very sunny. And John has sent all of his games athletes out on a bike ride. And he's here in the relative cool talking to me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're like uh, three weeks out from games now. Almost exactly, like the elite start on a Thursday, so a Wednesday today. So like three weeks tomorrow, the, the actual games begin. We leave in, in basically one week's time. So we leave on Friday next week. So it's like the final stages here, final few days of training, and then we'll, we'll head out to the US. And you fly to Chicago, I guess? Yeah, it's just the easiest way. Like Madison maybe isn't the easiest place to get to no. uh, outside of the US. So most people fly Chicago rent a car, drive to Madison. It's the kind of classic way of getting there. And where are you going to stay when you get to Madison? Have you got a hotel, Airbnb? Uh, so we start off in Airbnb for like around a week and then we move into a hotel after that. How many people are going? You've got obviously you, Moritz, Ella. Yeah, so athlete-wise this year we'll have a Veronica, Moritz and Ella. So Veronica's competing in the team division. Which one? 16-17. Uh, so she's like in that, that final team category uh, competing. She was the winner for the crown, which was in Easter. Exactly. The um, female winner, I should say. Yeah, so she won the crown Easter and then qualified. So teams just go through online qualification and then go to games from there. So she came here probably around like six weeks ago, two months ago, something like that, to do the final stage and then qualified through to the games. What kind of shape is she in? The main thing is this year is trying to get her through and just enjoy the experience. So she'll be going over with one of our coaches, Renato. And really the focus is like, just enjoy the experience. So hopefully she's prepared enough to be able to enjoy it. I mean, she seems like quite a together young lady, actually. When yeah. I spoke to her before the crown, she told me about, like, she was made decisions last year about changing coaches and changing gyms and... Yeah, all to kind of get to where she is. So it seems yeah. like she's in good condition for this. Yeah, I think at that age, like so many things can go up and down. I think the one thing we've seen this year with, especially like highlighted by Haley at the start of the year and then Mal recently, is just how different or how stressful it can be for that age group. You know, like, it's hard to imagine like the pressure of a 18-year-old athlete you know, who is kind of like taking like lots of weight on their shoulders, mm. lots of pressure and so young, you know, I think like most people think back to being 18 years old and kind of like the decisions that you had to make were so minimal and, and didn't have those big implications as these athletes can have. So it's a lot to handle. It's also putting into a pressure pot, aren't you? Pressure cooker, because you've also got like so much attention through Instagram, social media generally. 
and there's a lot of whether it's real or perceived but a lot of expectations put upon these people like the next best thing and yeah the pressure to perform is huge I think it ultimately does boil down to to perception however you know there's the thing is is that the like you kind of mentioned the consequence of going to the games and being expected to win it's kind of huge you know to follow in the legacy of someone like Tia for Malice is this huge responsibility and you know and I think then it's hard to put yourself in those shoes to be able to go out and perform from such a young age and then to have made the very public decision okay I'm not going to continue yeah. is actually just as much as much difficult sort of attention as just continuing so you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place when you're yeah. the new upcoming athlete. I think we've seen, like, with this next generation, like with Simone Bales at the Olympics this year, I think kind of set a bit of a precedent that, you know, it's okay to speak about these things, take time off and, and look after your mental health. I think there's probably a generation before that was more stoic in that sense yeah. of just pushing through. And, you know, this idea of pressure is a privilege and all of those things they, they can kind of bubble up and so I do think we've seen a bit of a notion where actually you know some of these elite athletes have been like you know I can perform but it's still their choice they shouldn't have to perform and we've we've seen a bit more of a, a new culture in that regard and, mm. and I think it's important that these you know it's kind of coming back to Veronica being 17 years old that she looks at the sport from an enjoyable place. It's not just like she has to go out, she has to perform, she has to have all these things. I think us from a biggest perspective, we kind of go, oh, well, look at all that you can achieve. Mm. But it's not really our choice in that stage what they want to achieve. I guess, and also like from your point of view, from a coach's perspective, you have to measure your kind of the things that you're asking her to do yeah. and the pressure that you're applying on her regarding like in each individual even every individual event like you have to manage her mindset manage her expectations yes yeah, so I think there's there's a big picture thing which is you obviously want an athlete to grow and evolve and in order to do that you have to like explore those those physical boundaries but you don't want to do it in such a way that you push beyond it and it becomes a deterrent so I think that's really where the skill becomes in that in that aspect you know mm-hmm. you need the athlete to be able to push to grow to be able to get to those new limits of fitness but you don't want to do that at the detriment of their mental health or their enjoyment and and these aspects so that's like kind of the bigger picture balance and you know then discussing with Renata how, how to handle the events those the kind of the specifics in some ways simpler once you know the athlete well you know like how to what weight she might be able to lift or the way they divide a set that bigger picture now has become more uh, more important because it has a bigger impact is Renato the coach who's with Portuguese programme exactly with Opro we kind of O in Portuguese is the oh okay Opro O O programme O O programme the (laughs) programme but uh, you know the Portuguese uh, how is your Portuguese 
uh, horrendous. The only, the only way I know Portuguese, or no one's speaking Portuguese, I feel like I should understand it, but I don't understand it. It does sound really similar to Spanish, but then you start listening, it's like, I haven't got a clue what you're yeah, saying. It, and I, I think Portuguese speakers find it a lot easier to understand Spanish people than the other way around. Mm. So he's like taking care of Veronica or he's her coach or how, how will that relationship work? Yeah, so he, so each uh, athlete we have this year goes in with a specific coach. So Veronica will be going in with Renato, Ella will be going in with Chris and then I'll be going in with Moritz. So each athlete there. It's also the games. So like for, for example, Veronica's competition is going to finish on Thursday. So yeah. she'll start on Monday and finish on Thursday. And then Ella, or guys and girls, tend to be quite separated at the games. Mm. So, you know, they might run through all the girls' heats, and that might take, like, two hours, and the guys aren't on two hours after. So if Ella's going up, you know, we can't just bring Moritz in two hours before, etc. So So you're you're all working on different, like, like timetables? Yeah, we all work on different timetables, and so it's just important that we're there to be able to support the athletes. You know, it's the, the biggest stage. And arguably, like, if you had two females or two males, it's easier to be in because they're in the same, similar time frame. But with different divisions, like, for example, if it's team, you need to go separate. So that's one of the things we've really tried to do this year is give more individual attention to each of the athletes from a program. This is the first year that you've only, you are only coaching one specific uh, person? Because last year you had Gabby and Jacqueline and Moritz. Yeah, it might be, so you, you might are be, right, that might be the first year that I've only gone in specifically, well, you always go in just one athlete, yeah. you, know, you, you always just coach one athlete, but yes, the, the, one of the focuses this year has been developing more of our coaching team. So last year, Chris was there as well, mm. he was working with Solveig that year, but yes, this is one year where we, we're more being like allocated roles for each of the coaches. When you're in a competition situation with your individual athlete, there must be high emotional moments and lows. And I mean, I mean I'm, I'm imagining there's a roller coaster. Mm. So how do you, as a coach, manage that and also look after yourself? So I think the management comes very specific. Every athlete has very different requirements and needs, and that's why it's important that you know, before you go to the competition, you've built up that, uh, that relationship. So you kind of know how they might respond to a good event, a bad event, what they need from you. It's an interesting one. I think like you need to be there for the athlete. So how you manage your emotions is, you know, you kind of understanding it's a bit more of a, a selfless nature. You know, I, I've always looked at it, you know, I, I don't have kids. I kind of imagine the transition of going from athlete to coach is similar to going from a kid to parent. Like a parenting situation. Yeah, because you, you have no... Con- Mm. There's no real when the athlete's on the floor. There's no control of the situation. Ironically, your emotions are kind of dictated by the highs and lows of the athlete. Even though you're one step removed, it's not like a direct thing. And so I always think that the best thing is to be like calm, collected, and to be able to bring in that. And actually, that requires a lot of work on yourself rather than getting caught up in the emotional side of things. So it's like you need to be in a calm, relaxed place. And if you're not in that calm, relaxed place and you're emotional, then you're not doing well for your athlete. So it's like almost the foundations that you set are very important and you can't go into that place in a kind of irate or emotional. I, I think that's from my... I can really connect with the parenting thing at the moment because my daughter's like 17 and has a 
just finished her exams and the results and we're having to work through a lot of different things and managing expectations and working out the next steps of things when it's actually like you can see that person's either like super happy or super unhappy yeah. it can really affect, well, it really affects me so I mean like, you have to be quite stoic resolute and then maybe take yourself off for a little bit of a shakedown later because you don't want them to see that you're doubting or yeah. concerned in any way as well don't you well I do yeah, well, it's very true and that's why I think it's important like, for the coaches for example we know go off get Chipotle or, mm-hmm. you know, do these things where it's like and it's also important with the other coaches or it's nice as you can relate you know with the athlete the the relation kind of stops because they're going through that experience mm. and they don't necessarily understand or should understand those emotions of the coaches and therefore with the coaches you know you kind of go off you have it and that's kind of your space you might do it at the end of the day or whatever it may be so you can kind of get through that and be there for for the next stage yeah so, I mean, I remember at the end of the Games last year, how completely wrung out and exhausted, well, everybody was, but yeah, you in intense. particular. <laughs> and um, I had, like, knowing what you know from the, the process of the Games, can you fully expect that to happen again this year? Yeah, it's intense. Like, I was pretty done after last year's Games. Like, there's always lots of things, you know, there's always lots of pressures as well. You know, we're very much like fully committed to the CrossFit world. So there's always lots of pressures. And after last year, yeah, I was like done. I, I just slept. Like Jack and I went on holiday. Yeah, you went on a nice holiday. It went on a nice holiday. I should tell you, like... She saw you on day three. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I couldn't leave the room. You know, like I, I think we arrived to... First we went to like Cancun, Mexico. Really nice. I was just like in the hotel room. You know, I was just... Mm. that she had a lot more energy than me and that kind of you know we did a bit more travel and it, it took like a week of like just being out you know like one of the days we arrived to Costa Rica so I went straight to the hotel and I was probably in that hotel room like either series or sleeping for like full 24 hours so it's so th- these these kind of things uh, you know they can take their, mm. their toll a little bit um, but so you kind of expect that so it's a multi-day event you're really trying to optimise everything for the athlete and you've kind of gone through this like calm stoic nature and so you've kind of repressed all of that emotional side and I think at the end it just comes out yeah. you finish the season you kind of reflect on everything that's been going on and, and you're also evaluating you know very quickly the September comes more competition yeah it comes around so quick yeah you know I think we finished like 10th or like 6th of August some, somewhere on that and then all of a sudden like September the Madrid yeah there's Madrid or other competitions that may be happening so how um, we've spoken about Veronica how are Moritz and Ella preparing what, are, what have you been doing to them as it were yeah. <laughs> so they're very you know there is a difference between rookie and non-rookie mm, oh gosh yes and so for Ella you know it's her first year of the games you go in, just see what it's like. You know, mm. do you enjoy this experience? We, we're there to support as much as possible. But I think it's really important that you go to that first games and you kind of live in the moment, the check-in, the type of briefings, all of those things. Like, just live in the moment and really, really just go in with a pure mindset of an ex- experience. So, again, we're trying to set the physical foundations there, you know, from the bike, all these unexpected movements they may do. So, you know, you're as physically good shape as possible. And then with Moritz, it does change as the years go on. You know, he went to the Games last year. He didn't have the, the finish that he wanted. 
Where did he finish? He in the 30s. 20. Oh, top 30, okay. Oh, no, 30 oh. to 40. Oh. I think he was 36. Uh, 30 think, to 40, what do you think about his chances this year? I think Moritz is a very different athlete. And this is kind of the thing, you know, first year's rookie year, the experience. Whereas now it's like, hey, actually, I, I went, I did that, how am I going to come back? Mm. And so, you know, ultimately, your success in sports is defined by the placing on the leaderboard. And that's what people look at. And it's a cruel world. It is. Because it's so black and white. And as much as you want to tell the story of this happened because of this, this happened because of this, and you want to kind of like tell your story, you know, people go, oh, first, second, third. Yes. People are fairly, it's fairly easy stuff there. They don't really want to look at the nuance. Exactly. There, there's no, people don't, people are happy with the black and white, you know. There's first, second, third. And so, you know, that does come into the, the athletes like, hey, where am I finishing? And I think with cuts, they make the games more stressful. No, I'm going to say this. You said the C word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like cuts. Because, you know, you get to the games and then all of a sudden like, you've reached the final. Yeah. But then it's like, actually, no, 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 you haven't reached the final because all of a sudden we're going to cut down and the final becomes these top 20. So you've automatically put in like another goal for these athletes my stomach just knots up thinking about cuts yeah, I just feel like, like they, they, so you know, mad about it so last year I think it was fine it was um, on Sunday wasn't it, it it was from Saturday to Sunday and it was 10 athletes yeah and you you could also argue that because of that you know it didn't have as big an impact as when you go down to 20 but it has impacts I put up like a story yesterday mm the trouble, the big trouble with cuts, arguably like the overlying principle, is it biases certain events over others. Absolutely. And that's to do with the athletes that are competing. Here's the nuances, though, that nobody's interested in. No, no one actually cares. Mm. And I think this is why it's an important distinction to go like, hey, here's the entertainment side and here's the sports side. Yeah. In the, in the spareness of sports side and that safety, fairness, all of these relevant issues... You know, does the fact that a piece of rope lies on the floor affect the entertainment value? No. But it's something that's really important because it increases the risk of injury of the athletes. Mm -hmm. You know, does biasing certain events over others affect the entertainment? No. But it does affect the fairness because, you know, you're kind of arguing that you're testing this broad, doing this broad test. I'm thinking alpaca. Yes, like how much that changed, and like on the Sunday morning because it was raining a lot. They, they took away the rope. They took away the rope well. climbs, and like we have a complete. And there was a completely different finish because of that. Yeah, exactly. So let's say, for example, the final day. So you take swim events. You put the swim event at the on day one, or swim event on the final day, which actually happened on, in twenty nineteen. But for the swimmer, arguably, it's better to have the swim on the final day if they make it through. Mm. Because they can gain more places. Yeah. So, you know... I mean, it's a lot more points, isn't it, when the, when the amount of athletes is reduced? Yeah, it's the gaps make the difference. So, you know, even from first to second, there's a bigger gap on with 20 athletes than there is with 40 athletes. So even if you, you know, you finish the same in the same margin, you know, you put this, the same workout on day one and the same workout on, on the final day, the athlete order then becomes a lot more significant. It's much more punishing for the athlete that, say, finished in 10th and a lot more rewarding for the athlete that finished in 1st. Mm. The point system already rewards the winning nature of, of the sport. So, you know, that bias, like last year, the bias towards strength on the final day, say, took away the rope climb, so the alpaca event kind of 
Kenneth like Prowler, Kettlebell. Then they had the back nine, which was like yoke climbs, uh, yoke climbs, yoke carries. And, uh, Interesting. And Don't give anyone any ideas. <laughs> uh, and, you know, say so this year it goes to a gymnastic bias or a conditioning bias, whatever that may be, mm. the, with just the events on the final day will be biased because of the change in scoring system. And so does any of this affect the entertainment? No. I think that, you know, the talk is about fairness, safety, all of these things, and actually making it into what is a legitimate sport, having this variance, not randomness, it is a very important discussion, but it gets lost because it's still entertaining, you know? It arguably, does it affect the entertainment value? Not really. The reason, I understand the reason that those cuts is because of broadcast. So, so this is the... And they like, please explain if you know what that means. Well, the, the argument, I, I think I know what it so means. I think there's a few arguments. One is that obviously the you know, like a semi, it's when you've got like six or it equates to 12 heats of athletes going through, it gets pretty boring because you're watching the same thing on repeat. So it's this entertainment value broadcast. They argue they can do different events. But I, I don't believe that should be an excuse for changing the fairness. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't use the entertainment, the fact that there's more entertainment as an excuse for taking away the fairness of the athletes. I think that should be kind of preconditioned in, you know, like... If, for example, the resources aren't there, all these things, why are you taking 40 athletes through and then cutting them down to not give them that? Arguably, there's a full experience, it's more of a subjective feeling, but also then affecting the point system as it goes through. There's also the effect on the volunteers, the judges, was kind of another argument. I think the thing with this argument, I 100% agree, like it's a long week for the judges and the volunteers, and that kind of leads into a bigger discussion of like, well, should you have all of these divisions going in one week or do you kind of separate the masters, uh, team or age group divisions uh, and other divisions for a separate weekend for mm. different competitions? So it opens up different discussions. But I think ultimately you shouldn't be affecting the fairness or safety of the competition for the sake of entertainment. That's like kind of where that principle, or I feel the principle should lie. And I think the two things kind of get confused because if you just care about number one, that's fine, but it should still be a fair competition. I think my parenting genes, my parenting side kicks in very heavily because I just feel it's extremely unfair to allow to like, all these people that are going to fund themselves to get to the games, to do all of those things, to then get cut on Friday or Saturday yeah. morning. And yeah. I just think it's just like... Well, because a lot of the athletes want to finish. And that's why I think the 30, even though it has these same effects, it wasn't as big an effect. Mm. So, you know, the things that we're saying are still true, but they lessened it compared to, say, 2019. Yeah. Where it was like... It was brutal. It was it was like a reality TV Carnage. show. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> and they obviously, you know, realised that. It, it was just horrendous. But now they're going back to these cuts and they're kind of arguing why it's for the entertainment of the sports. And it's like, well, I don't necessarily think, you know, somewhere in the foundations of things the entertainment side needs to be taken into account rather than affecting the fairness of the competition. The thing is that they, they're constantly coming back to, we want to professionalise, we want to professionalise, and of course that really means we want to monetize as well. But in order to be professional, there's lots of things that should be already agreed before the season even begins. Like we've spoken about before, like movement standards, and, yeah. and it would be so great to know in advance, like rather than this week, you know, that this is happening. So people have got more time to prepare themselves for those realities. Yeah, and again, this is the big thing. They argue it doesn't affect the entertainment. So I think, so 
I completely agree that there are the sport needs to grow and develop in order to be able to you know for the sport to reach more people for CrossFit to be able to reach more people and and be able to bring the health benefits that are there I mm. think can be kind of driven in this best of the sport I do believe there are things that can be done to help that professionalization that don't necessarily get done like what for example you know we kind of enter into like very different uh, discussions to go through but I think for example the season structure is not necessarily optimal for having eyes on the sport mm. so one of the big things I think I've spoken about this before but you know, you go open quarterfinals, which are all online stages. Yeah. And then you have three weekends where you qualify every single athlete to the CrossFit Games. Yeah, it's like a headache of events. Yeah, but how do you follow anything? You know, it's very hard to follow. All of a sudden you've qualified like 80 individual athletes, 40 teams. And, you know, it's really hard to know who's qualified, who's gone mm. through to follow all the weekends through. And then, then, you know, you wait six weeks and it's like games, boom. And that's that's really your like two big spectacles, semi-finals and games. And I, I think that there was a moment where they had the sanction season, where for example there would be certain events where athletes could qualify throughout yeah, yeah. the year. And it allows it allows more eyeballs on the sport because all of a sudden you're having these competitions where athletes can qualify to the games, it brings us full circle around together and just more times over the year. But then the problem that you have with the eyeballs sort of concept is that those individual competitions then need to pay to stream it for example in order to have that wider yeah, coverage so I which think... does make it more expensive and then you've also got the lo- like those events then have to somehow make money or at least not lose it yeah so I, I think that you can go into there's lots of different like avenues and details you can go into mm. but those avenues and details there's really no point in discussing them until we kind of agree, okay, what's the bigger picture goal moving forward? Because if you don't have that bigger picture goal moving forward, you know, it's just pointless discussing these details of how it would be done. But I think if there's an agreement like, hey, this is the season structure, people think this would be optimal to grow the sport, how can that then be done? It becomes a different discussion. So do you think with the return of Castro, mm. who is, you know, back in the chair, do we think that things are going to progress after the games is finished, like, do you think there's was there any kind of suggestion that there's going to be changes, or are we, go, or are you guys going to be the last to know? We feel we'll probably be the last to know. <laughs> which was the style back in the day, you know. Yeah. It, it very much rings of like 2016, 2017, those kind of times. Because, for example, we don't really know that much about what's going to happen at the games this year, apart we, from the cut. We know nothing. And, and then last week there was a whole grips thing. Yeah, so... Like, if you don't know about the grips thing, which I imagine anybody who follows CrossFit will know, but there was this ridiculous new rule about where if you have a, a set of grips, they have to... can only go to the middle finger, and then... But as soon as... Was it, who was it now? Darling Pepper did it, and, then he, and he put his grips on, and he put his hands over the bar, and like the grips are like down here. So, of course, they're going to do that because there's smaller space to yeah. go around. And then Dave Castro went onto his YouTube account and said, don't worry, guys... That's not what we meant, you know? The kind of communication is all over the place again. Yeah, so I, I think one thing, you know, we... I can't remember when we did uh, this the last time, uh, recorded one of these episodes. After Berlin. After Berlin. So it's like four weeks ago, five mm. weeks ago. And considering the magnitude of changes that we've had, you know, all athletes qualify through, the games are happening in three weeks, we've completely changed the director of the sport or GM of the sport. We have, like, super little news. Mm. One thing I think is a really interesting thing is that there were probably, you know, we don't have the numbers, 
But they're over, you have to assume they're over 200 drug tests done. Yeah. So 200 drug tests. And we've heard about... A couple about, of teams been affected. Yeah, so two, we've got two positives back from that. So it says over 200, that's less than 1%. That's great. Yeah, but compared to last year, mm. it's completely different. And it, it makes you a little strange as to why you know, either release like the full list all these people were negative I think that transparency would be that really would be great but it's like it's very different and just like such a black and white difference compared to last year where even in South America for example they couldn't send people to the games because they hadn't tested far enough back in the field mm-hmm. which is it's not CrossFit's fault it's the it's you know they just didn't expect to have that problem whereas this year you're saying out of all the 200 tests that were done, only two people come back positive. It's just such a wild discrepancy compared to previous years with people testing positive. So it's either that more tests are coming out, they've not got around to it. So I think one of the interesting things at the moment is the the kind of lack of news. You know, we're mm-hmm. talking about grips, and you are right. These The trouble is when these standards aren't clear, it just brings a lot of confusion. Yeah. And at least Castro cleared the situation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a bit of an irrelevant equipment rule you know it's not I mean, why does it make why i don't even understand why it would make any difference well it doesn't make any difference and that's why it's kind of irrelevant I, I think they wanted to not have athletes relying on the grips to hang this is me pretending that i use grips by the way yeah so, <laughs> so the thing is is that the grips do can help grip strain because when the strap goes around you can kind of hang Okay. Off the grip, it gives traction. But the rule that they've put in doesn't affect that mm. because you can still do exactly the same as you did. So it's just like one of those random... It's kind of like they've now put in extra work for themselves that probably won't have any benefit through. Hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, what... You're going to basically have to go there and do the whole no non-knowable thing. Yeah, so that was one thing. You know, so there is transparency from Castro's YouTube channel. I think one of the things he said on there was like, about this noble aspect that that's the foundation of the game so yes. that's how it's going to be okay <laughs> so you know you're going to rock up and not know what's happening which you know and I think the big thing is that okay, ultimately these are the decisions that you know within the hands of the people who own the sport and they're their decisions to uh, to take and there's there's really never any repercussion of any of those decisions so we choose to partake in this sport and so we have to accept those decisions and how things are going to be we, or there's, you know, it's not just me. There's a whole group of people that don't necessarily agree with some of these decisions. As we kind of spoke about last time, it's just like I've become more public about these, mm. uh, opening up about these discussions that we may have in, in private with people. But it doesn't seem like anything, you know, nothing really gets moved forward on, on these aspects. When you're at the Games, will you get the chance to speak to your co- your kind of colleagues about yeah, these sorts yeah, of things? Yeah, you know, I, I like to think we have a very good relationship amongst the coaches and different training programs and to be able to speak about these issues and, and you know I, I don't want to I don't want to speak for anyone mm. uh, in these aspects you know this is how I I feel but you know we do speak openly and have discussions and, and try to keep that interaction going in regards to this and what about I was going to say movement standards but obviously we don't know but I remember last year when um, they did the handstand push up thing that like, there was this event I don't remember was it event three or four and they had and the athletes had to handstand push up to a, a line yeah like it was like a deficit did you see on the French throwdown recently the other the walk the handstand walk forward facing handstand walk yeah. what did you but, think about that one I'm just wondering if that might get him get a little 
you opportunity to shine. You never know. Something. I mean, the, the variance of what... I mean, even when you, you know a movement, for example, they might be swimming. You know, is it open water? Is it in a pool? Mm. Is it what's it combined with? And all these things have such a big difference. And, you know, I don't know how many years of games it is now, like 14, 15, something like that. So the amount of things that we've already seen and the, the, the fact they like to add in new things means it's literally impossible to be able to train for everything that might show up, you know, because you can't just, like, you swim open water, you swim in the pool, you swim by doing a CrossFit workout combined with that, be it ski erg, or you do that with some gymnastic movement. Like, you're not going to be able to predict what is going to happen at the games. So that's like, you try to get as much transfer as possible through the different movements that you are doing. Last year, you did a lot of activations beforehand with GoWood. Are you going to be doing the same thing this year? Yeah, so we're back this year, um, a big day. We have a few lined up. I've not been sent the schedule <laughs> yet, but I think basically leading, on it. <laughs> yeah, leading up to uh, Thursday, we'll be doing quite a lot. And then theory, the individual starts on Thursday, so I'll be You'll be a bit, bit busy. Bit, bit busy. So if people want to do those things, when they if they go into the games, they can sign up through GoWad, I guess. Yeah, just follow GoWad and then they'll be releasing all the information. It sells out super quick. I mean, last year, like everything sold out with within minutes. It was a really nice atmosphere, actually, yeah. wasn't it? Manu, you're going to, I'm assuming that you'll go, you can talk, say something to the people. Just wishing to be there. Yeah, you can. Watch, watch John again. No. It's good. It was really good atmosphere. Big Dane is like this big, big CrossFit box outside of Madison. I don't know if they'll do the same thing this year, but last year they had a car park outside with a, like all of their athletes had their own. Or the car previous park. winners. Yeah, they had. Yeah, they had like they they wrote out the people's names on the car park spaces, so you couldn't park in, I don't know, Briggs's space or whatever. It was like you had. It was really cute. And then inside they had a, a wall of portraits of all the athletes who signed their pictures. It was like really nice. Yeah, it's very well done. And I guess Carmen is going to take a little t-shirts with her. Yeah, maybe. If we get them on time. <laughs> what colour are they this year? Uh, to be decided. Oh, what? <laughs> maybe decide soon. Yeah. I feel orange would be good. Okay. Orange is my colour today. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, another thing on the list. I mean, for all of the kind of, oh my God, the games, it's so stressful. Actually, it's a really exciting, cool experience as well, isn't it? Well, I, you know, if it wasn't, we wouldn't still be doing it. Mm. So, you know, there is this, you know, we talk about the way things can be improved and, and this fairness of competition, but the entertainment value is still there. You know, like, it's, it's very exciting to watch the games, what happens. And so, yeah, the... There is this entertainment value. Like, it's fun being at Madison. It's great watching the athletes. It's exciting to see them all throw down and compete. So, you know, that's why. Otherwise, we wouldn't still be here doing it. Mm. I have shocking FOMO now. I just won't be able to talk to either of you anymore. That's it. I can't be your friend. It's just, that's it. Cut. more. <laughs> uh, I think it would be difficult for Adrian Bosman to top some of the things he did last year. Especially yeah. the capital, which was... An extraordinary comp- event. Yes. That was, like, from a photo point of view, the best one for yeah. me because it was, like, such a great combination of, like, being outside, being in all these different environments, 
funky, cool things they were make, being made to pick up and move around. Intense audience or crowd interaction. Lots of sweat. It was like people were so hot. It was really difficult to to watch some of them struggling. But then, like amazing pictures at the end when they're coming up the stairs to the Capitol. Now he's already said he's not doing that again. Yeah, I, I presume they. You know, they don't like to re- repeat those spectacles. But you would think they try to replicate some of the energy mm. that it created. Yeah. You know, I think that having it within Madison, not just in the Alliant Energy Center. Yeah. Maybe see something like that because I think they really enjoyed the the everyday people, you know, not necessarily just like the pure fans that were there for CrossFit, but actually having like Madison community yeah. who might not have gone to see the games there to watch it. So I can see them based on the success of the capital doing something in the town again i hope so because that was my favorite well we shall see so three weeks tomorrow yeah three weeks tomorrow that'll be dun, dun, dun. they'll probably be sleeping still yeah but uh, or not sleeping <laughs> or they might be saying midday so time time difference wise mm. but uh about to wake up for Day their one. first event yeah exciting thank you john and good luck to you and all of your guys Next up on the show, I chat with Moritz Feibig, the German steel. <laughs> and look out for some very special game shows coming up in the next week as well. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.